Welcome to another episode of the Dollars and Cents podcast, where we discuss interesting topics impacting our financial lives in Singapore. I'm Dinesh, co-founder of Dollars and Cents, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-founder, Timothy, and our editor, Angela. Today, we'll be talking about an interesting topic, buy now, pay later, or more popularly known as BNPL. It's not hard to guess what BNPL actually refers to, right? You buy now and you pay for it later, sometimes over a few short months. Often these purchases tend to be like for small ticketed items and come without any interest charges or a requirement to own a credit card. If this sounds great to you or you think it's quite similar to another solution you're already using, stay tuned as we discuss buy now, pay later. Is it really that simple? So for the first part of our show, right, I want to talk about the difference of buy now, pay later versus credit cards. So when someone tells me that, you know, they can use a solution, buy something now and pay for it slightly later, interest-free, and it can be for low price items, I might think they're talking about a piece of plastic or metal already in my wallet. What's the difference really between BNPL solutions and a credit card? Yeah, hi, thanks Zinesh for inviting me to the show once again. I'm glad to be here. And to answer your question, basically with buy now, pay later, you buy something today and what it does is that it automatically spits your payment into either over the next three months, six months or over the next four weeks, for example. So any purchase you make will automatically be put into monthly installment or weekly installment. And that's a little bit different from credit cards because with credit cards, you typically, the main thing you do is that you have to pay the full bill at the end of your, or when you are given the credit card bill. So that's one of the key difference. That said, as what you rightly mentioned, credit card do offer that solution. I'm not too sure if credit cards offer that monthly installment plan for all purchases. I think for some cards, it's only on specific purchases. And I think the key difference though is also the target audience. With credit card installment plan, the, it's contingent on the fact that the user has to have a credit card first before they actually are allowed to use the credit card monthly installment plan. With regards to BNPL, you actually can use that service even if you don't have a credit card or you don't qualify for a credit card. Okay, so when I think about credit cards, right, I sign up for a credit card, but I can use it cardlessly nowadays. I don't need the actual physical card. So that's maybe one way it becomes comparable with BNPL in your example. Obviously, there's also interest-free installment plans that credit card offer. So you mentioned, you know, credit cards don't really offer it for all purchases. But in the same way, I think BNPL can only use it with merchants that are already onboarded also. So the limitations are both ways. And I guess other things that are quite in favor of a credit card, in fact, when you use it to buy, you know, you sometimes get your miles, your cashback. You also get to pay for big ticket items rather than only small ticketed or smaller price purchases, right? So ultimately, these cards all allow us to, to pay for it now and pay it sometime in the very near future. So should we think of BNPL and credit cards as separate solutions? I think that there is some similarities between BNPL and credit card in the sense that it means you don't have to use cash to pay. Right? So that means you can buy the product you want today and you pay in the future. But that's where I feel the similarity ends actually, right? So with credit cards, a lot of times it's seen as a payment solution provider. We use our credit card for convenience. We go to a restaurant, we use our card for convenience, right? That's, that's the key reason why we use the card. Of course, there's perks and all those things, and that's great. With buy now, pay later, the key value proposition for someone using it, it's not so much of convenience. It is actually to delay or to spread out the payment over the next three months, for example. It's actually to encourage them to increase their basket size to potentially buy something that they otherwise may not think they can afford. So 
Yes, there is that similarity in which you don't have to pay instantly, but I think it is very different because the reason for using it is very different. Angela, before the show, we were chatting for a while and you said you were contemplating using the NPL solution. So do you agree with Timothy? Like, Are you thinking of using it because you want to make a little bit more purchases? Are you maybe incentivized to buy something that you wouldn't ordinarily buy? I mean, they are both deferred payment methods, right? So whether you're using BNPL or credit cards, you are paying later on. I mean, it doesn't really change how I spend my money because how I make my purchase decision is separate from my actual payment from it. And I do have, like before I buy something, I actually have a plan about what I want to spend and how much I spend on. Whether I'm paying through BNPL or credit card doesn't change that. But what it does give me is the flexibility of payment. The credit card that I'm using right now actually doesn't have a 0% installment plan. So it actually charges me if I want to split my payments. Whereas if I use a BNPL that solution, there's no minimum spend and there's no interest charges. So it actually makes sense for me to purchase something with BNPL. But I, that's the thing, right? And I like how Angela phrased it because I think a lot of BNPL providers, or some BNPL providers are trying to draw the similarities between BNPL and credit card. So what we are saying is that in both ways, you can defer payment. So what's the difference, right? But I think Angela got it spot on actually, right? Because it is very different, right? The reason for using a credit card and the reason for using a BMPL payment service, it's actually very different. Use BMPL because you want to split your payment across a longer time period, basically monthly installment plan. And you use credit card primarily because of the convenience it provides. Okay, so what about the... The fact that you know other credit cards do offer zero percent installment plans, and so why don't you just think about applying for those credit cards? Why is BNPL maybe the solution for you then? <laughs> uh, I mean, part of the reason is because I I prefer to have less credit cards, so I would be like the financial minimalist and just use a single credit card and accumulate my spending on one credit card because it's easier for me to keep track of them. In this case. Having a single BMPR provider provide me with that splitting of payments works out easier for me because I don't need to keep track of so many things. That said, there are people who maximize their card spending and they have zero interest payment cards. And in that case, there might not be any discernible differences for them. Yeah, I guess there are different set of offerings for, for BNPL and credit cards. But the next part of the segment I wanted to, to tackle is, you know, how sustainable is BNPL solutions? We already mentioned at the start of this podcast, we usually do podcasts on articles or, or ideas that we already have. And if you want, you can go to dollsandcents.sg to read Timothy's article on BNPL. So you mentioned in this article, Timothy, that BNPL providers are not even regulated by MAS in Singapore. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Because it sounds like it could be a really bad thing. I mean, both sides of the coin, right? But... I would say for a start, I, I think it's a bad thing. But a caveat here, which is that MES can't regulate something that has not really been introduced yet, right? So BNPL are relatively new to the Singapore market. And actually in overseas countries as well, although it has been in places like Australia and the US for a few years already, and they are doing well, by the way. Firstly, BNPL doesn't, isn't, isn't regulated in Singapore yet because it's, it's very new. And I think it's a bad thing. Because if you look at a lot of the providers uh, in Singapore right now, right, it's, it's still early days and a lot of the BMPL providers are basically trying to grab early market share, which is the logical thing to do for any startup in a new industry. Right? But what they're doing is they're actually incentivizing people to use BMPL, even for very small things where you could 
realistically argue there is no need to buy now and pay later if you're spending you know, $20, $30 on a McDonald's meal, right? right? And, and there is that inducement to actually encourage people to pay using buy now, pay later. And that is actually cultivating an unnecessary bad habit, in my opinion, that is just currently being unregulated. And to add on to that, you know, with credit cards, there are minimum requirements. Like you need to be working and you need a minimum income of at least $30,000 or more in order to qualify for a credit card. And obviously you have that credit scoring. There's obviously there's a credit scoring that, that you have to, that they will, the bank will assess you as well. For, for BNPL providers, there is no such strict requirement, right? So anyone without a job, students, you know, retirees, you know, they can also apply for BNPL payment services. I am a little bit concerned about the fact that it's unregulated and that BNPL providers are actually able to target students, for example, encouraging them to develop this habit at a young age, even though there is no real need to, like I say, split your McDonald's $30 spending into three or four equal payments. Now, we'll talk a little bit about debt later on, and that's a really big topic that we should tackle as well. But let's just go back to splitting that McDonald's $30, $40 meal into like four equal parts, right? One part of me always thinks, what about a very prudent um, purchaser or buyer, right? Anytime you can pay a price, today's price, in tomorrow's dollars, whether it's two, mu- two months or two years, it's always a good deal. So what about someone who's a really prudent purchaser or buyer? Wouldn't they be the, the main beneficiaries if they're able to manage the debt well? Yeah, I, I think so. More options to pay is never a bad thing, right? Because you can choose to use it if you want it. Like Angela, she might want to use it for some future purchases. And if she's confident she can easily manage her bills, then that's not an issue. Or her installments, then that's not an issue, right? So more, more solution is never a bad thing. But I think there is always that risk versus the benefit trade-off, right? So is the additional benefit splitting your $30 McDonald's meal into monthly installment, the additional benefit, how much does it get? $20 more in terms of cash flow? Is it really worth the risk that it gives you, the potential that you might be accumulating that the, the possibility that you might forget a payment, not because you can't afford it, but simply because, you know, it's so small that you overlook it. I think not just the risk, right? Like every time I see a credit card statement, sometimes I get like, that stress that I have to pay it off and I better not forget. And I guess with more, if I have more than one BNPL solution in my app wallet as well, then I'm like, oh God, I got so many different debt now that I have to, to settle. So even though I know I can definitely settle it, right? Going to Angela again, right? You said you want to start using BNPL. So I'm quite curious. BNPL has been around not, not very long, but surely long enough for you to have started if you really wanted to already. And being that you are a conscious, you're a prudent purchaser, why haven't you already started using BNPL? I mean, the marketing definitely plays a part in like getting me to start being a first-time user, right? Because there's always first-time user incentives, be it like cashback or $10 reward, whatever it is. Part of it is that, but the other part is that for me, I'm just in a life situation where I am expecting a very large outflow of cash and I'll be very cash poor for a period of time. And using BNPL does help me buffer that cash flow issue during this period. Yeah. And it helps that the incentive does help me make the decision to use a BNPL solution versus just putting it on my credit card. Okay. I'm not sure if I should be saying it, but part of me just wonders if... Maybe you shouldn't be making such a big ticket purchase if you're not confident of your daily expenditures after that. Because rule 101, right? You don't spend or purchase something that you can't afford comfortably. 
can I just clarify that that big purchase is a house and renovation? And yes, I can afford it, but the, the cash flow is tight. And I do want to live in a nicely furnished house as soon as I can. And I'd rather make my big or small ticket purchases now and pay later. No, and that's a good point, right? Because if you think about it, I mean, obviously, Angela is not talking about taking a home loan, obviously, because that's obviously by the bank, right? What she's talking about is furniture. And if you think about it, a, a company like Cox has been doing that for the longest time, right? They, they didn't call it buy now, pay later, but it's basically the, the Cox flexi plan. And sometimes I think the installment or the interest is also 0%, right? So, so Cox has actually been doing BNPL for a really long time. And the whole reasoning for that is very simple, right? Because when somebody is looking to buy furniture, there is a very good chance that they're moving to a new place and they don't just need a sofa, right? They need a television set. They want to buy a dining table as well. They will need a washing machine, a fridge, right? And all of these are big ticket item purchase. And Cox has kind of, in some sense, in their own financing way, they have done their own buy, buy now, pay later in an era, you know, 10, 20 years, 30 years ago, where you can actually buy now and pay later, right? And I think that's the whole idea with BNPL, right? And I'm not talking about COTS because COTS, obviously, I can accept that it's a big ticket item purchase that like what Angela is doing. But I'm really talking about the smaller items, right? So the whole idea about BNPL and why merchants are adopting it, even though they have to pay a commission to the BNPL players, that's how BNPL players make money, by the way, right? So the BNPL players provide that BNPL service to the merchants, and the merchants, whenever a customer uses BNPL to pay, they actually pay a commission charge to the BNPL merchants, right? And the whole idea behind why merchants would still adopt it is because BNPL has proven to actually help increase the basket size of customers who uses it. And I think that's the part which consumers have to be very careful because, you know, it's one thing, you know, buying something that costs you, you know, $1,200, say for an iPhone, right? But if you say that it's actually $300 over the next four months, it's still the same price, but maybe that sounds cheaper to some people. Yeah, I, I think that goes back, you know, to, to what you were saying, you know, BNPL are targeting a certain group of customers, right? So the way I see it, from the way you're explaining it, you know, it feels like, you know, they're targeting, you know, people who are maybe not very affluent and people who are maybe unable to get credit cards yet. So maybe, you know, low-income earners, students, those kind of market segments or those kind of customers. So existing credit card players, and, and I know they do this, right? They have different tiered cards as well. They give me a different credit card from someone who earns 150000 to someone who earns 300000 And I don't know how high the tier goes. Maybe they have different credit cards for those people higher up than that. So existing credit card players already have a very well-oiled machine to segment their customers, you know? And to me, you know, it doesn't seem very far-fetched for them to be able to have a credit risk assessment kind of regime for, for this smaller tier or this tier of people. I guess the question is really, why don't the existing credit card players simply offer this solution for their customers? I mean, the simple answer is they can't, right? So we mentioned credit card installment plan only can be used if you have a credit card or if you qualify for a credit card. So a student or a lower income person will not qualify for the credit card and hence they will not be able to use the installment plan, even if they want to, right? So in some sense, BNPL players do target what I would call a, a subprime target group, right? So a, a group that otherwise wouldn't have qualified to essentially use the loan that they are using in order to purchase their item now. So I think that's one reason. At the same time, I don't think you know it's true that BNPL only wants to target subprime 
prime customer groups. They, they are more than happy to, you know, they take your money if you want to spend through them, right? So I think the, it isn't so much of just wanting to target people who can't use credit card. I think they also want to target people who can use credit card, uh, but who might then just be more incentivized to actually, instead of paying through a credit card, use a BMPL service. That's my thoughts about it, yeah. I feel like a lot of the same concerns we have about BMPL also applies to the credit card industry, especially in the early days. A lot of people kind of demonize credit card in the beginning, especially. It's very easy to overspend when you're just using a credit card. And in fact, studies have shown that, yes, it's true. Spending on a credit card, you're more likely to go over budget. But in the end, it kind of boils down to who is using the card. A person who is not financially prudent, they're still going to spend in a financially irresponsible manner. Whether BNPL players are deliberately targeting subprime customers, so-called subprime customers, it's in a way, perhaps, because they allow people who are normally not eligible for credit cards to use deferred payment methods. But I feel that in the end, the responsibility does lie in the consumer, that they need to be the ones educated enough and learn to assess the dangers of using whichever payment method it is. But do you guys think that a person who is not working yet should be given the ability to make purchases using installment, which essentially means paying, borrowing money right now to pay for an item yeah. that they will only pay off in the next three months. So the way I see it, like three, three people at BNPL targets, right? People like us, you, me and Angela, right? We are about the same age in our 30s. We already are kind of exposed to credit cards and other financial solutions. But they're also targeting what you say, the students, the people who haven't earned a single paycheck in their life, and maybe even the guys who are not able to qualify for credit card. So if you're targeting people like us, that's perfectly fine. You know, we're able to manage our debt and we have sufficient financial education. Maybe The problem really lies in the next two segments, right? They don't have any financial education or they may lack the, the ability, capability to manage their finances because they've never earned a paycheck in their life. So that's where, you know, the gray area or the question of really whether it's ethical to target these people. And to your point, I do think that some regulation definitely needs to go into it. And also, you know, BNPL, like how at supermarkets, you know, when you, when you pay at the checkout counter, you know, they, they offer some sweets there, some candies there for children to, to grab when exiting the supermarkets. It's kind of like that for maybe students, right? They say, hey, you know, now I can afford a little bit more. And that's how maybe the basket size increases or that's what the BNPL players are actually saying, you know, we are increasing basket size, you know. Yeah, you're right. You know, so if you look at most of the BNPL encounters you may have, they are essentially putting themselves at the checkout counter, right? Whether online or offline, right? They are there at the end as a payment solution provider or maybe even being, you know, suggested that, you know, this is one way of paying, right? Actually, the other thing I wanted to raise is that, is it their problem that BNPL uh, not regulated. It's actually, it has to come from MAS, right? BNPL guys are not going to say, hey, I want to regulate myself. Or they are maybe self-regulating and, and we just are not privy to the entire self-regulation that's happening. Um, so does regulation have to actually come from top down, you know, from MAS, from, from the government, and then BNPL players can play within the, the fences? Okay, so just to, just to clarify a few points here, right? So I think the first thing is that I wouldn't say it's an MES-specific thing, not that I, I'm trying to help MES here, but you know, even in the US, which is the biggest market with BNPL right now, it's, it's pretty much unregulated still, right? So, so I wouldn't say it's a Singapore-specific problem. As to whether they are doing some form of self-regulation, I think 
what I will say is at the risk of sounding like I'm supporting them, I think every BNPL player wants to have responsible consumers, right? Because the risk for the company is that obviously, if your target audience are extremely not credit worthy, then it actually eats into your bottom line or your top line, actually, right? Because then you have default cases and that's actually how credit card companies can still lose money, right? Because if there is default cases, people are declared bankrupt, for example, the bank can't get the money back, they, they, they incur the loss, right? So that's kind of like the same thing with BNPL players as well. So in some sense, you know, BNPL providers do have to self-regulate or at least they do have to choose their customers wisely. But I would say that, you know, definitely they, they benefit with if it's not regulated. Okay, so Angela, what do you think about the kind of people that BNPL are targeting then? You know, isn't it natural that they just target the Gen Zs or the Millennials? Because these are the guys that are savvy with digital solutions, right? You're not going to target a 67-year-old person saying, hey, download my app and get $10 free. This is the natural audience. And are we giving them flack for targeting their natural audience? I mean, in a way, they do have to differentiate themselves from credit cards, right? Which naturally leads them to target a different audience. But on the point of regulation, I also feel that it's MAS did indicate that they are looking into BMPR players. And I think at a certain point, if BMPR players don't like self-regulate or do the, so, the responsible things, they would eventually be a clamp down in regulations on these players. It won't be unimaginable to expect that this sector will eventually see eventual regulation. Okay, the one other thing I have to add to the conversation is that you know, we've mentioned a few times that you know, BNPL players, some of their biggest customers are actually those guys unable to get credit cards. You know, these guys may not be able to manage their debt, may not be able to manage finances in the first place. Right? But don't BNPL giving them that, that first dip into the water to get their feet wet, enable them to understand debt, understand finances, understand their purchases while keeping the, the purchase ticket smaller. Isn't that a, a, a good thing? No, I, I, get, I get what you're trying to suggest here, right? Which is that it's better to borrow a bit and realize, hey, I can't really pay for this rather than, you know, your first loan that you take is that, that $1 million to buy that condo uh, property loan, right? So, yeah, I, I definitely think nobody wants to default on a, on a $1 million loan. I'm not so convinced about the argument that it's better to... S- to use a BNPL service and then to default on it first. Well, but, you know, I, I think that, I, and I wouldn't really call it as a, as a, as a good trial because I think, you know, it lets, let people have a bit of debt so that they can manage it on its own. I, I don't think that should be considered as a game to play around with. But I do think that, you know, there could be ways where BNPL players could actually put themselves into a situation where they really ensure that they don't, prioritize growth or market share over ensuring that they market themselves in a responsible manner. So that's my personal take. And I and I do wish, you know, we can see more BMPL providers coming out in Singapore to actually do more in terms of educating people about the vices of, you know, loans, of, of taking unnecessary debt, of excessive spending. I mean, it sounds like a lot of education is required, especially because some of these people are not well-educated in the field of financial management, right? And I think we're coming to the end of the podcast. The one other thought I had, uh, maybe you can round out the podcast with that, is that are we giving credit card companies a free pass then? Because it feels like, you know, with BNPL, the new guys on the scene, you know, they're getting most of the heat. 
And credit card companies flying under the radar, but they have generally, you know, inducing these kind of behaviors or, or targeting these kind of people, making them go into debt, collecting fees as their main source of income or, or profits. Before BNPL players, you know, credit card companies were being spoken in that light. And now there's like a new target, you know, and credit card companies are kind of flying under the radar here. Well, what do you think? I mean, I, I think I already mentioned just now that they are all deferred payment methods and in the wrong hands, they can go really wrong. And in a way, yes, it's true that currently credit card debt doesn't look as bad because VMPL sounds worse. But in a, uh-huh. <laughs> because, because of the target audience. But if you start having poor financial habits from whether is it using credit cards or BNPL solutions, this thing will build over time and lead into problems later on, right? You will eventually have a bad credit score, which would hinder your chances of getting a mortgage. And all this have huge life implications later on. There's going to be new providers offering new solutions. And all this can only be tackled with better education and better literacy. Yeah, I guess that's a good way to round out the podcast. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what solution you use if you use it wrongly. You know, that could always things going wrong, right? And so you need to educate yourself as consumers. And obviously, we hope that you know the people in the industry, whether they're BNPL players, credit card players, they also do their parts to educate the audience. And I think this is a good way to end the podcast. If you guys would like to read Timothy's article on BNPL, you can head to our website dollarsandcents.sg to read the full article. And I hope to see you on our next show. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Hey.